I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset. I'm saying I can't afford this to happen to me right now, but I can afford the premium and the insurance company has enough money to pay the death benefit to my family. So I'm going to give them the risk and a monthly payment so that I don't have to worry. Welcome to the Clear Money Mindset Saving Snippets Edition. Financial facts for a fast-paced life. Many people struggle to find the time to sit down and plan for their future. This lack of time results in a lack of action and we want to help with that. This edition of the podcast is intended to give you quick facts on important savings and investing topics. Whether you're in the car or on the run, these quick episodes will give you what you need to know to start taking action towards your financial future. Today we're going to cover some basics about life insurance. We'll talk about who should own it, how to get it, and how much you should have of it. Please remember that this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please seek the help of a qualified professional to determine what might be best in your particular situation. Welcome to the Clear Money Mindset. We are back after a bit of an extended break. It's been a while since we posted a podcast, but we have great reason for that. This is our first podcast from the new office and joining me today is Victoria and Andrea. Welcome. Hello. Hi. This is going to be one of our savings snippets editions of the podcast where we uh, take a bit of a quick dive into one specific topic and today it's going to be life insurance. Before we do that though, uh, Andrea, I'm going to give you a chance to give our listeners a some news that's uh, come up something exciting in your life uh i do have some news and that is that i am expecting a baby uh this summer so that's that's my news so yes our family is expanding and lena's gonna be a big sister so that's all all the reason to be talking about Life insurance. Exactly. It's a, it's building a great life, topic. Building life insurance. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. So as we jump into this topic, we have some stats that we've grabbed from Limra and a great article on policyme.com that talks about some Canadian life insurance stats. So life insurance stats. Andre, why don't you start us off with some facts about how Canadians view life insurance well we'll start off with the fact that 44 percent of canadians don't have life insurance so that's a a pretty big number and uh 62 percent of canadians with life insurance have it through their employer so they offer something through their um their job and they're able to obtain it that way um 77 percent of canadian parents with dependent children have a life insurance policy now i'll stop you there because this is something we'll talk about in a second but um one of the reasons that's true is because many people don't think they need life insurance until they have kids but i'm a big advocate of of getting it early because oftentimes your health can change and maybe by the time you need life insurance you you wouldn't actually even qualify for it and I've actually seen that happen a couple of times, or at least you'd have to pay more for it. We're going to talk about that in a second. But if you're part of the 72%, great. If you're part of the 44 that doesn't have it, 
Um, and maybe you're waiting until you have a family to buy it. There's some great reasons why you might want to think about getting it earlier than that. Okay, what do we have next? Um, and the last one I'm going to share from my uh, statistics, Canadian Life Insurance statistics um, stats are that 80% of Canadians believe that Canadian life insurance rates are too expensive. That's actually, um, well, I wouldn't say they're too expensive, but we are a lot more money than the states is to buy insurance. And one of the reasons for that, I don't know if this stat is still true, so this is just anecdotal, but I was at a Manulife conference uh, quite a number of years ago, and back then they were telling about how the Canadian life insurance system requires so much more money in reserves, uh, so much so that Manulife Canada needs to have 10 times the amount of money in reserves as a company in the U.S. Um, ready to pay for claims. So part of the reason our insurance here is a bit more money is because our companies are required to hold on to more cash on the side to make sure mm -hmm. they have money if you were to pass away. So I say that's a good thing. I'd rather pay a bit more and know that the system's really secure. Uh, Victoria, what do you got? 40% uh, of Canadians said that or that covering final expenses was their top reason for purchasing life insurance. 32% um, of Canadians said that they bought life insurance because it's a good, wise, or necessary thing to do. And 30% of Canadians bought life insurance as a way to transfer wealth to their beneficiaries. 72% of Canadian households prefer to purchase life insurance through an agent. And that's actually, I know I'm a, I'm a licensed life insurance agent myself, so um, I guess I could be a bit biased here, but a lot of times, one, it's usually an advisor that pushes you to see the importance of it and helps you understand the different reasons why you might need it. So now on to life insurance in general. What questions do we have? Well, how about some basics? Like, what what's the idea of insurance in the first place? Why do we... I remember when I was first getting into the business, I did this training course. It was called a um, fraternal insurance certificate, I think it was, that we did. I'm going to get that name wrong, but uh, it had a lot of the history of insurance in the first place. And one of the stories they told is insurance was kind of birthed in ships would leave port with a bunch of goods in them and if the ships went down halfway through their voyage, all of those products were gone. And a lot of times either the people selling them or uh, perhaps the owner of the boat, they would go financially underwater. So what they would do is they actually had these sheets that were posted, if I have this correctly, on the dock and different business owners would come and essentially underwrite part of the voyage and then participate in some of the products that were sold. So they got a premium paid to them. And then if the ship made it there, they got to participate in the money that was made from the goods. Um, but if the ship went down, then they got to participate in making good for all of the losses. And that's one of the, according to, um, according to the course I took, that's one of the beginnings of insurance in general. So the best way to understand it is, I have a risk, and in the case of life insurance, the risk is me dying. Um, 
And there's a bunch of negative connotations, I hope, if one of the three of us go that our families will miss us. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, collateral damage if some someone passes away. You can't you can't transfer the emotional um, risk of a death in the family onto someone else, but you can transfer the financial risk onto someone else. And that's exactly the idea of insurance in general, in particular life insurance is, well, if, if I was to die, I, I have a family, I have four kids, they've got to live. In order for me to fund that probability, I would need a lot of money right now to make sure that they would never have to work again or that my kids would go to school. So a life insurance company basically comes along and says, okay, um, we're going to look at your health. We're going to look at your lifestyle. We're going to look at the amount of insurance you need. And we're going to give you a price where if you'll pay us this every month, we will transfer that risk on to ourselves so that if something happens to you, um, you or fa your family would be taken care of by virtue of a life insurance benefit. Um, one of my first managers used to always say, uh, the reason for insurance is to protect you. So whether you live too long or die too soon or come become critically ill or disabled along the way, you can still meet your financial goals. And I think that's a good way of putting it. So that's the idea. I'm taking a risk that I'm, I'm saying, I can't afford this to happen to me right now but I can afford the premium and the insurance company has enough money to pay the death benefit to my family. So I'm going to give them the risk and a monthly payment so that I don't have to worry. Well, what are the basic types of life insurance that are available? Yeah. So this is a pretty broad topic and today I want to keep it really basic. You could, you could boil life insurance down into two categories, permanent insurance, and term insurance. Inside of permanent insurance, you'll hear products like whole life, universal life, term to 100. The idea with permanent insurance, rule of thumb is permanent insurance, permanent needs. So I would use permanent insurance for something, for a risk that, that's gonna be with me the rest of my life. Um, I'm always gonna die. So that there's always gonna be funeral costs. Um, I'm only going to die once. I guess always going to die. I don't know what that even means, but we do have an expiration date and there are costs associated with that that aren't going anywhere. And permanent insurance could be a good way to cover those things. Term, on the other hand, is for temporary needs. So hopefully you're not going to have your mortgage forever or you're not going to have credit card debt forever or you're not going to need money to leave behind so that a spouse can look after kids without going back to work. So those are all typically temporary needs. So the way life insurance works is permanent insurance for permanent needs costs more upfront, but is less later because it's kind of an average of a premium between now and 100 but term insurance costs less upfront and more later. So you kind of look at permanent insurance is me owning life insurance, never goes up in price or down in price usually. Again, I'm, I'm being very general. And term insurance is like renting coverage. So when I'm young and healthy and the chances of me passing away are low, a life insurance company is able to give me insurance at a lower price. 
So I can go in and, and maybe I have a mortgage and life insurance needs of a million dollars. Well, I could get that at a pretty good price where if I bought permanent insurance, I might pay 10 times that amount um, for the same coverage. So term allows me to take those temporary needs that are hopefully going away and get a lower price on the insurance up front. And then as those needs go away, well, I get rid of the insurance and then permanent is there to help me pay for things that uh, are more permanent. What sort of things can I use life insurance for? Yeah, so that list is pretty broad. I'm gonna give a couple of examples, but think of it this way. Life insurance generally, unless it's something like mortgage insurance with the bank, life insurance is basically a check that you're gonna receive most likely tax-free. And so when you're looking at life insurance needs, we're basically finding the things we need life insurance for. But when it pays out, for instance, if I buy like a term 10 policy and I intended to have my mortgage covered with it, if my loved one were to receive a death benefit, they would still have to go pay that. So again, think of the life insurance amount is essentially a blank check and we're trying to assign the needs to it when we're looking at how much we need. So. One of the main, or a few of the main things, your mortgage, that's a, that's kind of a must to, to make sure that, you know, if you passed away, your mortgage would be paid off. Credit cards, um, you can get, you can get life insurance for things like legal and accounting fees, funeral expenses, or other debts. Um, the other area that's a pretty big deal is what we call continued income. And what that basically says is okay a family let's say makes let's say there's a couple they they make a hundred thousand combined and let's keep it simple they make fifty thousand each well if one of the two of them passes away um, continued income says well how many years would the surviving spouse need uh, the deceased spouse income and then we come up with a number and say well if we invested x amount of dollars and we were able to make X amount of return, that would be able to ensure that um, the spouse would be able to receive that $50,000 in income for let's say the next 10 years. Um, one of the reasons people do this is if you have children, uh, some people wanna stay at home with their kids or the cost of daycare if uh, a spouse wasn't there. And the idea being it's better if you don't have to go back to work. Um, you could even cover the whole family income if you wanted to make sure that no one had to go back to work. You could take a couple of years off. But what continued income is basically is how long do I want to not have to worry about income if my spouse passed away? And how much life insurance would I need to buy today to make sure that if someone passed away, there's a pot of money there to take from every year so that we can continue uh, to have a standard of living that we have now. So those are some of the things. It's not exhaustive. Other more complicated things would be like taxes. Um, some people will get life insurance on their parents to cover the costs of capital gains tax on things like the family cottage. There's a lot of different things you can do with life insurance. Some use it for charitable giving um, because it's advantageous for an estate to uh, donate in that uh, in the year the final tax return is being done because that can help ease taxes. So some people will use life insurance as a way to um, affect the cause they care about. 
what kind of things uh, would affect the cost of life insurance? Yeah, so again, this isn't exhaustive and it's more general, but the older you are, the more it'll cost uh, because insurance is based on mortality tables and uh, and there are people, actuaries, who uh, spend their lifetime or at least their career uh, figuring all of this stuff out to give insurance companies help. Sounds like a really fun job. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I sign up for that? <laughs> not here. I'm not. I'm, I have not woken up one day and said, man, I wish I had been an actuary instead of a financial advisor. It hasn't happened yet. So your age, uh, the younger you are, the lower the cost generally. The second is and this is a big deal, your health. So um, you could have a even family history that could affect the price of life insurance. So, so what would happen is when, when you sit down with an agent or you quote a price online, you're getting what they call standard rates. So then the insurance company is going to look into your health and even your lifestyle. Like if, if you're getting 10 speeding tickets a year, you're probably, you might not get, you might not get life insurance or they might even say like, we're going to exclude driving from your life insurance because you're a bit of a reckless driver or maybe you scuba dive a ton. Insurance companies don't love that, but your health is a big, big deal. So what an insurance company will do is they'll either say, um, Victoria, your health is standard, meaning... (laughs) you fit all of the criteria for us to offer you standard rates, or they might look at your health and say, your health is actually better than the person, the average person your age and will offer you a better rate. They may say your health is actually worse and the chances, they wouldn't tell you this, but the chances of you passing away early are higher. And then they would charge you for that. They call that a rating. Um, and then, at the worst case scenario, an insurance company would uh, would give what's called a decline, where they basically say, sorry, we, we actually won't insure you at all. So health is a big deal. Length of term, the longer the term, again, just a, a general rule of thumb, the more expensive the coverage is going to be because they're offering you a level price over that time. So like term insurance usually goes in blocks of either five or 10 year increments. So a term 30, because they're averaging a level price over 30 years, is going to be more expensive than a term 10, which whose price is going to go up every 10 years. So obviously, even though the term 10 is cheaper up front, those prices going up every 10 years are going to catch up to you down the road. So maybe a longer term is better. But again, length of term affects that. And then the amount of insurance you buy. Obviously, if you buy $50,000 of life insurance, you should be paying less than the person buying $5 million of life insurance. So just to abbreviate, age, health, length of term, and amount of insurance are the things or some of the basic things that drive the cost. And then how do we get life insurance now that we know what affects the cost? Well, we recommend you be part of the 72% gasp <laughs> of people who get life insurance through an agent. Uh, a life insurance agent uh, is going to do what's called a needs analysis. Um, that's one of the first things we're required to do to help you understand uh, what your needs are, how much life insurance you should purchase. Once 
once that's done and you've got your quotes together and you know how much you want to buy and you're willing to pay that amount, then you would do what's called an application. Um, a lot of companies offer that online now. Uh, so you can do that virtually with your advisor or an office. After the application comes the underwriting process where the and somewhere along the way, either as a part of the application or as a part of the underwriting process, you're going to get asked a bunch of medical questions. You might have to pee into a cup. You might have to give some blood and they might even go to your doctor to see what your health is like. They can even go into your medical or into your driving records to see. Do you uh, wear scuba gear while you're driving? Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> Are you flying private planes? How often do you fly them? Are you sm do you smoke? Do you not smoke? Actually, didn't mention that, but smoking versus non-smoking is a massive factor in price. Um, so during the application process, there's uh, some basic health information, and in the underwriting process, the insurer is or the underwriter that's on the case is going to say, okay, am I happy with the answers they gave? Or is there some stuff I want to investigate further? After the underwriting process is done, then they would issue the policy. The, uh, the client would have to sign off agreeing that they want to accept the policy. And then the policy would go from there. So that's the process. Needs analysis, application, underwriting, then I accept the policy or reject it and then go from there. And once you've signed off, paid your first premium, you are covered. And uh, just one more little detail, most insurance companies, uh, if you have no life insurance and you're able to answer a simple set of health questions with the answer of no, they will give you what's called temporary insurance where you're covered from the time you do the application, but it's only up to certain amounts because they they don't want people walking out with $10 million of temporary insurance. So usually they're limited around a half a million to a million, but it depends on the company. So that's life insurance in general. So that was a bit more of like a savings saga than a saving snippet, no? Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot there. Yeah. But they're all important things. The bottom line is let, let a life insurance agent help kind of demystify all this for you. You don't have to be worried about all of these factors necessarily. The big deal is if you don't have life insurance or enough life insurance, that could be pretty detrimental to your spouse's or family's financial health for the rest of their life. So go out, make sure you have enough, make sure your policy's current and meet your current needs. And if you have no life insurance at all, well, you know where to find us daviesfinancial.ca we'd be happy to help you and that ends our podcast on life insurance we hope this was helpful for you this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal financial or professional advice the opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of sterling mutuals inc Mutual funds and ETFs provided through Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fun facts before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated.